General Pervez Musharraf is dead. What then is a dictator's legacy? A soldier? President? A dictator? A traitor? An absconder? What is Musharraf's legacy? There are few words that will always be spoken when Musharraf is remembered. Kargil, the coup, the martial law, the dictatorship, the war on terror, the emergency, the ouster, the legal case. Eight things. And none of them paint him in the best of lights. Born in Delhi, raised in Karachi, Parvez Musharraf joined the army in 1961, joined the SSG in 1965, and by 1998, he was the chief of army staff. The most powerful position in Pakistan despite what the constitution says. And here is what Barvez Musharraf says about the constitution. I think the constitution is just a piece of paper could be thrown in the dustbin. What really brought Barvez Musharraf to the world's attention was Kargil, an ill-thought-out misadventure that Pakistan paid a heavy price for. But don't take my word for it. Here is General Shahid. The preparation ceasefire Nawaz Sharif sahab ke America jane par uske baad phir withdrawal ka faisla ho gaya Nawaz Sharif sahab ko America bhejne mein kiska role tha Nawaz Sharif ka apna ya General Pervez Musharraf ka main main is baat se waqif hu lekin ye baat yaqeeni hai ke jo Musharraf sahab keh rahe hain ke hamari position wahan mazboot thi aur agar dushman jitna marzi chahta hame wahan se nahi nikal sakta tha ye baat durust nahi hai hamari position gir rahi thi Shahid Aziz even has a book on it and just for good measure here is Colonel Ashfaq Hussain on the matter دیکھیں یہ جو خود جب انہوں نے اس کو ہٹا کے جنرل ضیاء الدین بھٹ کو جب چیف آف آرمی صاحب مقرر کیا تو اس کا مطلب ہی یہ تھا کہ وہ پوری کی پوری ٹیم جو کہ کارگل میں انوالو تھی ان سب کے ٹرائل ہونے تھے تو یہ جنرل محمود جو تھے یہ بھی چونکہ اس میں شامل تھے اور باقی لوگ بھی شامل تھے ان سب کو اپنا انجام نظر آ رہا تھا کہ اگر جنرل ضیاء الدین بھٹ جو ہیں یہ چیف بن گئے تو پھر ہم سب کی تو مطلب کے باری آئے گی کہ ہم سے پوچھا جائے گا کہ تم نے سول انتظامیہ سے پرائم منسٹر سے پوچھے بغیر جنگ کس طرح سے شروع کر دی تو آپ اس بات پہ کیونکہ آپ بہتر بتا سکتے ہیں قائل ہیں کہ نواز شریف کو بتائے بغیر کارگل کے جنگ چھیڑی گئی یہ بات تو میں نے بڑی تفصیل کے ساتھ اپنی کتاب میں لکھی ہے کہ ڈیفینس کے جو سیکرٹری تھے جنرل افتخار چودھری مسائل کے بھائی نثار صاحب کے جو بھائی تھے وہ انہوں نے مجھے بتایا کہ انہوں نے سب سے پہلے یہ خبر کسی فورن میگزین میں پڑی اور وہ حیران کہ میں اچھا سیکرٹری ڈیفنس ہوں کہ مجھے پتہ نہیں ہے اور یہاں پہ جنگ ہو رہی ہے آئی ایم نو وار ایکسپرٹ آئی ایم ناٹ اے ملٹری اینالسٹ آئی ول لیو دا ڈسکشن آن واٹ ہیپن ڈیورنگ دا کانفلکٹ فار دوز ہو نو مچ بیٹر دین می دیر از ایون اے بک بائی نسیم زہرا آن اٹ ایز اے اسٹوڈنٹ آف دا لا آل آئی آس ٹوڈیز Can a military chief start a conflict and risk widespread war without even the knowledge of the elected prime minister? I mean, isn't this the question that has plagued historians? Did Nawaz Sharif know? Well, here are late Lieutenant General Jamshed Gulsar's thoughts on it. In spite of beating back repeated counterattacks, when the reverses started, and in that time, نواز شریف کو یہ احساس ہوا کہ فوج کی عزت کا سوال ہے میں یہ بڑے وسوق اور یقین سے آپ کو کہہ رہا ہوں یہ شاید قوم کا چیز کا علم نہ ہو اس وقت ان کو احساس ہوا کہ یہ میری فوج جو ہمارے ملک کی عظمت ہے 
اس پہ حرف آئے گا اس کو وہ یونائٹڈ اسٹیٹس گئے اور اس کے لیے انہوں نے کوشش کی A prime minister who was asked to diplomatically engage with the United States to help de-escalate the situation when it was made abundantly clear that we were stuck in Kargil. Here is General Ziauddin Bhatt confirming the same. He requested that you go to America and intervene in Clinton. He called us to brief us at that time. I and Pradesh Musharraf went to brief us. اور چاہیے یہ تھا کہ اس کو ساتھ لے کے جاتے وہ نہیں اس کو ساتھ لے کے گئے اور جو ہی وہ چلے گئے اس نے ایک دم شروع کر دیا یہ پروپیگنڈا ہم تو جیت رہے تھے اب یہ چلا گیا بٹ دا نیریٹو سولڈ اراؤنڈ دیٹ از دیٹ نواز شریف وینٹ بیگنگ ٹو بلکنگٹن ریجنل کانفلکٹ از ناٹ اے گیم اٹیک وار ود انڈیا از ناٹ اے میٹر دیٹ کین بی ڈیلٹ ود دس مچ ان سیریسنس The possibility of an all-out war between newly armed nuclear states is not something to be taken this lightly. Diplomacy isn't weakness. Diplomacy is strength. Foreign relations matter a lot more on the international stage than war games over a mountaintop. I'm not sure what Pakistan gained in Gargil and what Pakistan lost. I'm not even sure that you can draw a thorough line from 1999 to 20 years later a fascist in the name of Modi illegally occupying Kashmir by revoking the special constitutional status of Jammu and Kashmir. But I'm sure Gargil didn't help. What did Pakistan achieve with Gargil? I'm not sure because we did not even have a proper inquiry. I'm not going to risk my life by saying General Pervez Musharraf conducted a military coup to stop an investigation finding out the real facts of Kargil. So I will let the man who wrote a book on Kargil in 2008, Colonel Ashwak, say it. And thus it was. On October 12, 1999, the military of Pakistan staged a coup and seized control of the government. Two days later, General Pervez Musharraf suspended the constitution of Pakistan. Musharraf really meant it when he said He thought the constitution was just a piece of paper to be thrown in the dustbin. Let's make one thing clear. The constitution is what governs your relationship with the state. It is what gives you your human rights, what makes you a citizen. Without it, we are in a state of nature. And due to one man overnight, all Pakistanis lost their fundamental rights. The justification given was that Nawaz Sharif was trying to remove General Pervez Musharraf as the chief of army staff. Does the chief of army staff not serve at the pleasure of the prime minister? Can a prime minister not remove an officer under him? In fact, General Pervez Musharraf became COAS when Jahangir Karamat was dismissed and relieved of his duties. If the dismissal of a COAS is unacceptable to the military, then why was the coup not staged when Jahangir Karamat was dismissed? The coup of 1999 also did not start on 12th October 1999. The plan was in place soon after the Kargil conflict. This is why everyone knew what to do when an opportunity was presented. It is also not that everyone in the army was united in this plan. Army men had guns pointed at other army men at the PTV head office that night. The narrative that has been made popular in the minds of the masses is that a military coup was the only way. Because Nawaz Sharif planned to declare himself Amir al-Mu'mineen and become an autocrat. Even if we accept those were his intentions, riddle me this. Pakistan feared an autocracy... So to save Pakistan from autocracy, the military removed the prime minister and installed an autocratic dictator for the next decade? 
I mean, we question how Nawashri was able to live beyond his means and labeled him as corrupt. But we never questioned why Musharraf had untaxed one billion dollars in foreign accounts. Musharraf said he received huge financial aid from the Saudi king, but we're not allowed to ask why. Corruption has always been a flimsy excuse to dismiss civilian governments in Pakistan and impose dictatorships. The same incoherent logic is used to justify Ziaul Haq's coup. It is undeniable that Zulfiqar Ali Bhutto had autocratic tendencies. But Ziaul Haq seized power from him and stayed an autocrat dictator till his death 11 years later. I mean, he's autocratic, so let me just impose autocracy. We've removed an autocrat and installed a dictatorship. Is the logic I was so afraid you'll die so I killed you just to be sure? And while we're talking about death, it does make me want to jump off a cliff when I see Pakistan's obsession with finding a benevolent dictator. The Iwam cries out like a bruised spouse, Marta hai, kyunki humse pyar karta hai. Dictatorship is autocratic. It is born out of your rights being taken away from you. Forcefully, I might add. How can you celebrate a dictator giving you basic rights when they weren't his to give you in the first place? Who is he to decide what rights you deserve and which ones you don't? Countries don't progress through benevolent dictatorships. Countries progress through institutions, laws and democracies. If Zulfiqali Bhutto and Nawaz Sharif were going to go beyond their constitutionally prescribed powers, the courts exist, the parliament exists, the entire system of the trichotomy of power exists to ensure absolute power does not rest with any one branch of the government, let alone one man. You know where absolute power does exist with one man? Dictatorships. But in Pakistan, we've destroyed all the branches of the government just for the sake of one institution. It is not that the judiciary of Pakistan has not delivered for the people. The judiciary of Pakistan has been weakened at the barrel of a gun. Notions like the doctrine of necessity are only born when the necessity is for the judge to stay alive after the case. There is no legal justification for a coup. The constitution simply does not provide for it. But the constitution cannot do much when it has been trampled under a boot and thrown into the dustbin like a piece of paper. That piece of paper makes you who you are. Without it, you can be thrown into that dustbin too. And whether you ever make it out or not depends on the benevolence of the dictator. Is a slave meant to thank his master when he feeds him at the end of the day? Maybe it's better to have a benevolent master than a cruel one, but shouldn't we ask why we have been put in the chains in the first place? General Parvez Musharraf. A failed conflict, a successful coup, a long dictatorship. What then is a dictator's legacy? I wouldn't call him president because he had no right to be one. But the harsh reality is that he ruled over us for a decade. And many a myth has permeated during that time. Myths, I believe too. As a child, I too felt proud watching a confident man take on the corrupt politicians. Take on the Indian media. Speak of enlightened moderation. A man who enjoyed music and dance. This, this was a face of Pakistan I could get behind. One is meant to unlearn the dogma they're fed as children. Unfortunately, many people still believe in this khaki Santa Claus. Especially those waiting by the chimneys of their DHA homes. There is even a video of celebrities waxing lyrically about Musharraf while enjoying a party at the beach in Karachi. And that exactly is the problem with the elite of Pakistan. They don't mind that Koida is up in flames if they can peacefully enjoy a rave at the French beach. The danger of a single story. Their experience of Musharraf is dictated by how they felt. 
not how the country was the dollars were coming in the ferrero rochers were there at every store all was good beyond the kala pull and that dha bubble of ignorance still persists let's look at these myths they believe in the first is that the dictator in his grand benevolence gifted his slaves with the free media fact is the first private fm radio was launched under benazir bhutto ntm was launched in 1990 stn was launched in 1991 when nawaz sharif was in power even the privatization of media that musharraf is heralded for work had already started on that before musharraf it is insane to suggest that musharraf was a bastion for free media when he came into power by sending the army into ptv to stop airing a new story something that led to an armed standoff between the army major nasar held a machine gun on the employees of ptv when brigadier javed malik walked in with a military pistol to get the major to disarm himself quite the picture of a free media right it is a fact that private tv channels launched under musharraf and a lot of good has come from that but that does not make the media free only people in good stead with the establishment were given licenses for these channels and there was a narrow lane of criticism accepted in the news so why then allow private tv channels at all were the programs on american sundi on ptv not enough well to promote your agenda on 24 december 1999 indian airlines flight 814 en route to delhi from kathmandu nepal was hijacked the indian news media dominated the global news cycle pakistan had nothing to retort with an entrenched establishment afraid of its own people had kept such a tight control of information that the notion of a free media was antithetical to them before the days of ary and bold tv we had nothing to respond with no music videos even pakistan needed private news channels not for the people but for the establishment and when these channels got out of hand musharraf pulled the plug in 2007 musharraf pressed the big red button shutting down independent television channels in pakistan so much for the myths that musharraf promoted free media in pakistan it reminds me of something a rickshaw driver once told me in lahore quote i'm a progressive sir I'm not like those other men in my community who keep their wives chained at home all day. Some women have never even seen the outside world. I'm not like them. I take my wife out to the park every Sunday for 2 hours. End quote. I'm sure she was happy for those 2 hours. As many people must have been with the crumbs of the chakshazar table. As Albert Cabot once said. We must imagine Sisyphus happy. Free media is not just an idea. the fourth estate is crucial to keep the government in check in the modern world the control over it means even two decades later we have a warped understanding of our own history this brings us to our next myth either you're with us or against us musharraf sided with the united states because he had no option end of debate but is pakistan not a country of over 200 million people do we not even get a say in this matter Tarikali told us a story about how General Manik Shah told Indira Gandhi that West Pakistan was ripe for an invasion after Pakistan surrendered in 1971. So what did Indira Gandhi do? She took the matter to her cabinet. The cabinet decided against it and that was that. That is how democracies work. It is for moments like this that George Clement said, "War is too serious a business to be left to the generals." I don't believe America was ever going to bomb Pakistan into the stone age. At least I haven't seen a record of such a threat being made. 
though I have no doubts Pakistan probably got a version of the either you're with us or against us speech and maybe being an American ally was better for Pakistan or who knows maybe it would have been better for Pakistan to remain neutral I don't know but how can a single person decide this America pretends to promote democracy but it prefers dictators in the developing world because they're so much easier to strong arm them into submission Turkey was also an ally of the United States but Turkey is a democracy so the matter was discussed in the assembly they were able to be an ally in the wars against Afghanistan and Iraq without necessarily offering the entire country as the front line something Pakistan did granted Turkey did not share a vast border with Afghanistan like Pakistan does but hopefully with hindsight we can at least agree that the talibanization of Pakistan for american dollars has proved disastrous for our country those in power lined up their pockets but the country paid in ten folds one can't even put a value on the hundreds of thousands of lives we've lost but in terms of the cold hard cash pakistan received 8.647 billion dollars from the united states but lost an estimated 40 billion dollars those ferrero rochers from isajis don't look as tempting now do they simply put the false binary that was presented to the nation by pervez musharraf is not how global politics work musharraf went over and beyond anything america could have hoped for and pakistan paid the price for it just like pakistan paid the price for ayub khan and ziaul haq siding with the united states the american aid did come in so did the terrorism it would also be a misnomer to say that during musharraf's time pakistan had a clear line on terrorism we grew up with notions of the good taliban and the bad taliban jihad was meant to be promoted but hey keep it on that side of the border militants should be armed but who could have ever expected they'd use those arms against us right that never happens it too brute ili clinton did say you can't keep snakes in your backyard and expect them to only bite your neighbors you know eventually those snakes are going to turn on whoever has them in the backyard she did forget to mention that america paid us for this snake farm Maybe the US learned that lesson after President Reagan said the Taliban were the moral equivalents of America's founding fathers. Pakistan still suffers because of this double game war strategy and our confused national narratives about the Taliban. And while we're talking about the war on terror, worth mentioning that in his own book Musharraf boasted about Pakistan receiving millions of dollars for selling Pakistanis to the United States. Think of all the anti-Americanism in Pakistan. Can you imagine the uproar if Benazir Bhutto or Nawaz Sharif talked about selling Pakistanis to the United States? Selling people to the United States? I know I talk about Pakistanis being enslaved by the establishment, but this one is a bit too much on the nose. The former head of the Missing Persons Commission, Justice Retired Javed Iqbal said that Musharraf secretly handed over 4000 Pakistanis to foreign countries. People like Muazzam Beg, who's written a book where he talks about how Musharraf had him abducted in front of his kids in 2002 and sent to be tortured in Guantanamo Bay. Twelve years later, he was released after all the terror charges were dropped against him. No harm, no foul, right? What about our own children who died needlessly in the massacre at the Army Public School, Peshawar? Who former DGISI Asad Durrani called collateral damage? As we talk about respecting the dead in terms of General Pervez Musharraf I only ask you this What should we say to the loved ones of the millions who were collateral damage in Musharraf's war 
and while we are on the subject of extremism and myths lal masjid i wasn't even an adult when the lal masjid operation happened i also wanted an operation against the extremists how dare they hold the capital of our country hostage i wasn't old enough to think for my own and i fell hook line and sinker for our media fanning the flames of violence It was only when the operation happened and I saw the death and destruction was I dismayed at the reality of what the Lal Masjid operation was. Musharraf apologists are quick to blame the liberals. They had asked for some action, well there it is. Action. And that is what Musharraf is, a man of action. It is like when Augustus wanted chocolate so Willy Wonka drowned him in the chocolate river. Is that not what you wanted, kid? Action. Why did Musharraf not buckle under all the other liberal demands? Just this then. Now I'll be honest, the situation at Lal Masjid was untenable. But should we not be asking why in the heart of the capital was a masjid allowed to amass firearms? Lal Masjid had two anti-aircraft guns. You won't just buy those from the Dr. Watsons down the road. probably was another case of state agents turning rogue and once they did if we had a political government in place a political solution would have been found there's a reason something like the lal masjid operation has never happened again cases of lawlessness in the city should be dealt by the police not the military the military is designed for enemy combatants they don't do nuance they don't do subtlety they're taught to eradicate who they see as the enemy there is no gray in khaki and when all you have is a hammer every problem seems like a nail that's musharraf in a nutshell the barbarity of the operation resulted in 154 deaths and it brought pakistan to the brink of civil war the images of country's military destroying a masjid and civilians dying was all religious extremists needed to wage an all out war against the state of pakistan it triggered the third waziristan war And to this day, Pakistan is paying the price of Musharraf's decision in July 2007. To this day, videos from the Lal Masjid operation are played as propaganda to brainwash suicide bombers into attacking Pakistan. And yet, the apologists say Musharraf had no options. He did. He could have kept his ego aside and not triggered a civil war. I'm no fan of Maulana Abdul Aziz, but to say the only option was a wide-scale military operation. shows how little media freedom we had to discuss any other possibilities the capital has been laid siege to many times since then we've never seen a military operation how come all civilian leaders had other options but general pervez musharraf did not what do you think would have happened if nawaz sharif had ordered the military to attack the tlp and 154 people were killed in the middle of the street tlp supporters around the country might have burned everything down This is why politicians find political solutions. And on the subject of liberals, it still baffles me that liberals celebrate Pervez Musharraf just because they were allowed to have some fashion shows in Karachi. Musharraf is their hero, the same man who used to say women get raped to settle abroad. And he said this about Mukhtar Amai. Years later, she retorted, "Well, he has settled abroad, and I still live here." It is almost like Musharraf's legacy is personal to me. I was in Karachi during his time. Musharraf supported militancy by the MQM in Karachi. 
and it is not like Karachi was a peaceful city before Musharraf. The 90s were particularly bloody. But during Musharraf's era, the entire city was kept hostage. One man from London was allowed to shut down the city whenever he wanted. Businesses paid ransom, violence spread, and the day it all culminated was May 12, 2007, when Karachi turned into a war zone, resulting in many, many deaths. And how did the leader of the country respond to the deaths of Karachiites on the street? By celebrating, of course. This was a dictator showing his might. I still remember Musharraf coming on TV with his fists in the air. Whether it is Lal Masjid, whether it is Kargil, whether it is Karachi, General Parvez Musharraf saw it all as war games. And as hundreds of people mourned the death of their loved ones in Karachi, General Saab celebrated his victory. The last major myth about Musharraf is the economical progress in his time. I will let the economic experts weigh in on that. Dr. Ali Hasnan, the head of the economics department at LUMS, has a wonderful thread on Twitter going over the numbers. Professor Hasnan says, quote, Musharraf practiced aeronomics before DAR, holding the dollar at 60. Just as with 2013-18 DAR, this would have disastrous effects on our trade. Exports as a percentage of GDP were never below 16.1% in eight years preceding Musharraf's takeover. They would never return to those levels. End quote. And it is clear to us that Pakistan's primary reason for its economic quagmire is a lack of exports and dollar inflows through those exports. We can blame civilian governments all we want, but the fact is PPP and PMLN governments do not know if they will survive the year in power, let alone five, let alone make long-term economic plans for Pakistan. Musharraf had a decade and did nothing. He gave everyone a false sense of comfort with the lifestyle afforded by selling our geostrategic location in exchange for American dollars. Rent-seeking. This is why the elite remember the Musharraf era fondly. Here's an anecdote to show you why. Cheap CNG was available. People installed CNG kits in their cars. There were CNG stations all around the city. Banks were allowed to lease cars. People had cheap cars and cheap CNG. What a great life. Cut forward a decade, we're out of CNG and the traffic is unmanageable. We have a podcast with Afia Salam where we discuss this. Everyone wanted cars. We kept importing cars. The automobile industry had no incentive to manufacture anything. They made buck. Banks made buck. Why bother investing in export-led growth? The good times would last forever, my friend. You don't just wake up to a Honda Civic costing 90 lakhs. And it is not even manufactured in Pakistan. Our automobile industry only assembles these cars, leading to more imports and more dollar outflows from Pakistan. The good times did not last. Dr. Ali Hastan shows us how even the reserves collapsed before his exit. He says, quote, The current account famously showed a surplus for three years before crashing to levels worse than what he had inherited. And FDI blipped similarly briefly. This was consumption-led growth. And for years, imports were cheap and the urban Pakistan partied. End quote. No tax reforms, no economic reforms, no land reforms, no civil service reforms. If we say Pakistan is in a terrible state today, shouldn't we blame those who ruled over us for decades? Dictators destroy the economy and then hand it over to politicians to fix it. And we can't even ask what happened to the millions and millions of dollars that came in as aid during Zia and Musharraf's era. 
are we allowed to inquire the money trail or will we be picked up by the black vigos bought from that money before we move on another lasting legacy of the musharraf era is balochistan insurgency musharraf did not birth the balochistan issue but he did pour gallons of gasoline on a flame on august 6 2006 a cave in kolu was bombed killing nawab akhtar bukhti bukhti's legacy is a matter for another video but all i ask you today is how many countries bomb their own people Altaf Hussain has said things which might be considered anti-state by some. Would the people of Karachi stood by if the MQM headquarters at 90 were bombed by a Pakistani fighter jet? This is how much the media was controlled and this is how little you know of your own history. People who went to offer the funeral prayers of Nawab Akhtar Bukhti were also shot at. Political problems have political solutions. But a military dictator is incapable of envisioning them. Here is what Musharraf had said a year before the bombing. Quote, There are two or three tribal chiefs and feudal lords behind what's going on in Balochistan. The past governments have made deals with them and indulged them. My government is determined to establish its writ. It will be a fight to the finish. End quote. This is exactly how I described Musharraf when we talked about the Lal Masjid incident. Musharraf won his personal ego feud in both cases but Pakistan lost. Just like Lal Masjid sparked religious extremism, the death of Nawab Akhtar Bukhti sparked Balochistan insurgency. It gave them reason to rile against the Pakistani state, a state that has a fraught relationship with the province to this day. Unlike Musharraf, we don't deal in binaries. Balochistan's relationship with the state was not perfect pre-Musharraf. But 60 odd years since the partition, there was largely peace and an arrangement that sort of worked for some people at least. The death of Nawab Akhtar Bukhti changed that and emboldened the separatist movements in Balochistan. An expert on Balochistan would be much more equipped than me to talk about the legacy of Bal- Musharraf there. As a student of law, what I can talk about is the legacy of Musharraf on the judiciary. Despite seizing power, declaring himself president and being the chief of army staff, Musharraf declared emergency on 3rd November 2007. He fired the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, a move that would be the catalyst for the lawyers' movement in Pakistan, a move that would see General Pervez Musharraf convicted of high treason 12 years later. I wonder what people who laud Musharraf for granting freedom say about the fact that he had the power to turn it all off whenever he wanted. Maybe the Stockholm Syndrome about their beloved benevolent dictator extends to granting their overlord the power to take everything away from them too. This one's personal for me too. I was a student at Lamz when emergency was imposed. We all got together to protest. The police stood at the gates of the university waiting to arrest us all. The VC stood in the middle urging us not to walk out of the university. Somebody who's been on the podcast a couple of times, Asim Sajjad Akhtar, jumped the back wall of Lamz to come to an awaiting audience at, gathered at the sports complex and give a riveting speech ending with the song نہ تیرا پاکستان ہے نہ میرا پاکستان ہے یہ اس کا پاکستان ہے جو صدر پاکستان ہے ٹاکنگ اباؤٹ فرینڈز آف دا پوڈ کاسٹ مرتضیٰ چودھری واز ان دی آج ٹی وی بلڈنگ وین اے واز شارٹ ایٹ آن مے ٹویلو ٹو مشرف سیلیبریٹ ہز وکٹری کوائٹ دا بیسٹن فری اسپیچ رائٹ ویل دی امپوزیشن آف دی ایمرجنسی واز دا بگننگ آف دی اینڈ فار مشرف نتھنگ کیم آف دا پی سی او ججز The Chief Justice was restored. General Pervez Musharraf lost against Chief Justice Iftikhar Chaudhary. 
But did he really lose against General Ashfaq Parvez Kiani? I will let authors like Shujaan Nawaz opine on that. And I would recommend reading his books to know more. But 26 days after Musharraf imposed the emergency, followed by a string of widespread protests, on 29 November 2007, General Kiani became the Chief of Army Staff. And nine months later, Musharraf was impeached as the President of Pakistan. He did try launching his own political career, but failed miserably. Hardly anyone came out despite his multiple calls for Lakhon to come out. I too remember driving by Shahrai Kaidin and watching 30 people standing in the street with the banner of Musharraf after General Sahab had given a call out to millions to come out. Sham referendums are not a reflection of how popular one is. What people worship is power. Power that makes a dictator feel he is invincible, but when the power fades, it doesn't take long for everyone to look the other way. And by 2008, it was clear, the emperor has no clothes. The notion that Musharraf was or is loved across Pakistan is foolish. He barely got any support or votes in the elections. Military dictators seem popular because they're projected as such. But while we're on the subject of arrogance and god complex chief justice iftikhar choudhry the man became a monster after he was reinstated he also felt he had absolute power what our judiciary is suffering from today is the legacy of chief justice iftikhar choudhry <clears throat> you can draw a through line from his reinstatement to sakib's damned damp fund to gulzar's vanity projects Iftikhar Chaudhry's use of judicial activism has made a mockery of the highest court in the land. The liberal use of suomoto powers that the Supreme Court routinely deploys has no place in the constitution. Nor was the suomoto power envisioned to be as such. This is not to say that Musharraf was justified in the dismissal of the chief justice. Counterfactuals do little to tell history, but I do surmise that Iftikhar Chaudhry would not have turned into the despot that he became without being dismissed and then reinstated the notion why i think fixing the courts and the judiciary is the most central issue plaguing pakistan is an entire thesis for another time but for now let's mop up the rest of the myths musharraf did give him more representation in the parliament but marwi sarmad is on the record saying that was a matter that was already agreed with the politicians before musharraf and these reserved seats are often used as pawns to make or break governments we all probably know at the behest of who local governments is another matter where people lord musharraf matiullah jan has cited a report by the international crisis group on how the local body elections were done directly from the pressure by the world bank yet they were done on non party basis I have no idea what fascination dictators have with basic democracy as if Pakistanis are unevolved apes who cannot handle democracy. Politicians without politics is an idiosyncrasy that can only exist in a country like Pakistan. While we abuse politicians and ask for technocrats, what is the legacy of the politicians brought in by Musharraf? Musharraf's only aim was to weaken the hold of the two most popular parties. on the people of Pakistan a hold that was made clear when despite selective rigging ppp won the largest segment of the popular vote in 2002 forcing musharraf to massively rig the 2005 elections this is not me saying it this is a report by the international crisis group they say quote districts were gerrymandered opposition candidates disqualified or coerced into stepping down and state resources 
poured into the coffers of Musharraf's candidates. With the ECP's knowledge and support, the angels, as they're known in Pakistan, worked overtime. Widespread ballot stuffing, intimidation, and seizure of polling stations marred the election day. End quote. The writer also reports, quote, One of my researchers was threatened at gunpoint in Sindh. End quote. The same report cites how Musharraf rigged the 2008 elections to ensure a hung parliament rather than give PPP a majority, leading to a fragile centre. Political consensus was still found and Musharraf was removed. The party was over. It would be another counterfactuals to go into the details of what would have happened if the political parties had not pursued a case against General Parvez Musharraf. Musharraf did manage to derail democracy twice in Pakistan, once in 1999 and then once by his case causing a schism between the army and Nawaz Sharif or the PMLN government leading to the installation of the hybrid regime in 2018 but it is not Nawaz Sharif but the supreme court that pursued the case they had their own gripes with the man something made abundantly clear by justice vakar said asking the dead body of musharraf to be hung at the chowk for 3 days an unnecessary statement that does not belong anywhere near the legal field vakar said's disgusting vindictive outburst makes one question his ability to even judge that case justice vakar said died of coronavirus at a local hospital in peshawar in 2020 i'm not going to get into the conspiracy theories around it but when justice kazi faiz isa tested positive for coronavirus 8 months later He declined treatment at a government hospital and chose to take care of his health privately. We don't know if there was any foul play in the death of Justice Vakar Singh. We do not even know who killed Benazir, despite Benazir herself naming Musharraf as one of the suspects if she was to die. And for the record, here is what Musharraf said about the state of Pakistan killing people on foreign soil. ये है proactive diplomacy. हम मान जाते हैं हम नहीं किया बंदा बंदा बरवाना जनरल साहब इज नॉट प्रोएक्टिव डिप्लोमेसी इट इज अ प्रोएक्टिव एक्ट ऑफ असैसिनेशन नहीं नहीं एवरीवन इज डूइंग इट फॉर हेवन सेक इजराइली बात है एवरीवन इज डूइंग दिस समथिंग टू हियर फॉर दोस हु आइडियलाइज मुशर्रफ बट आल्सो डिमांड जस्टिस फॉर अशद शरीफ लेट्स बी ऑनेस्ट वी विल नेवर फाइंड आउट हु किल्ड अशद शरीफ सो टू रीकैप ऑल वी नो इज दैट जस्टिस वकार सेट इज डेड Benazir Bhutto is dead. General Parvez Musharraf is dead. That is how time works. A man people saw as infallible is gone. And all we have is his legacy. A legacy we have to grapple with daily. The question we started with remains unanswered. So, what then is a dictator's legacy? Maybe the answer has been in the question altogether. <laughs> There is the rub that he is a dictator. Nothing more, nothing less. Any good he might have done is overshadowed by the legitimacy of him ruling over us in the first place. The fruit of a poisonous tree may smell sweet, but it kills you all the same. By all accounts, Musharraf was a good family man, and I pray for strength and love for his loved ones. But as we ponder his legacy, we must keep in mind the families of those who lost everything because of him. Their grief, their loss, their pain. That is the legacy of a dictator.